it is always a, what shall I say, how to prepare, and when you prepare, how to edit, etc., depending upon time. So, um, God's impossible promises. That's the theme. It's a, I'm going to be short because it's a wonderful topic and I need to come back again. So I, I, um, I've just picked out a few and then I'm going to focus on one of God's impossible promises. And as someone said, and it's true, if God is in it and you can do it by your own resources, I have to doubt whether God's in it. God doesn't do things where you can manage it by yourself. Because God wants to be God. And therefore, he has to do things that no one else can do. And throughout the Bible, I'm going to focus on one example. Throughout the Bible, God has been looking for people who is able to believe his impossible promises. They're impossible. You can't do it by yourself. But you say, because you said it, God... I believe it. And it's just come over and over again that sometimes he may only find one or two people in a generation. But he will seek that person and wait until that person comes up and then have dialogue with that person because he knows that person, when he speaks the impossible, they say, yeah, okay, I believe you. So, I've got a few examples, which are, uh, because it's short of time, I'll just name them. There's obviously Abraham in Genesis 13 and 16, where he speaks to Abraham initially, I think he might have been 85, and he says, I will make your descendants like dust. If you can number dust, that's how your descendants are going to be. Abraham now is, I think, is about 85 or something like that, and he believes him. I mean, a young man, if it was a young man and he says, you're going to make your descendants like dust, you're thinking, boy, what kind of woman am I going to, to marry <laughs> that is going to produce this kind of uh, amount of children? <laughs> then he tells him again in Genesis 15, this is where he takes him out of the, the tent and says, if you, if you can number the stars, so will your descendants be. And Abraham says, Wow. Okay, I believe you. And it was counted in for righteousness. We have, uh, uh, I'm going to jump, uh, Moses. Initially, when God took him in Exodus 3, 7 to 10, where God says, I've heard the cry of the Israelites. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to actually deliver them. And Moses, you can sort of see him say, Okay, that's good. And I'm going to show... Oh, you got it up? Ah. Oh, not that one. Okay, another one. This is Exodus uh, uh, 3, 7 to 10. And at the end he says, And I'm going to use you to deliver them. Now, I don't know about you. He has 40 years been looking after sheep. God puts uh, a sign and causes him to come in his presence... And then tells him, after all that, he is going to use... Imagine, God comes up to you one day and say, 
who shall I pick on today? No, I won't, make, I won't make a name. There's no Harry here, so we call Harry. Harry, you've been worshipping me. That's wonderful. But I've got a plan for you. I now want you to go to a country, say just go to America, and mend this, mend this town, you've been, uh, the people have been persecuted. I want you to go there and deliver all the, all the people in Memphis. Quite naturally, he's going to say, how is this possible? But God has already said what he's going to do. He wants you to believe that he can do it. And that's the impossible, impossible promises of God. So I'm going to focus, I, I, I'm going to use one. I was like teasing people on this one. One of God's impossible promises is in Luke 18, 24, when Jesus came to the rich man and said, uh, one thing you lack, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. And it says that he was very sorrowful. And Jesus said uh, uh, in, uh, I think it's, yeah, 24, he says, Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful and said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they said, wow, then who can go into heaven then? How is it possible? And he said, what is in, yes, what is impossible for man is possible for God. So I, when I come across that scripture, I say, well, for decades, all we've heard from the pulpit is, be rich. God is one, wants you to be filthy rich, etc. I'm just saying that, fine, but just understand that you have to be in a particular class of rich man. That you are able to go through the eye of a needle. Because naturally, it is impossible. But of course, if you are in that league of a Christian where you can have wealth, then it is impossible for man, but not impossible for God. God's promises. But now, I'm just going to focus for time. We're going to move very quickly to 2 Kings verse 23. 2 Kings 23. I'll just very quickly, in fact, we do 2 Kings verse uh, uh, Second Kings 6, verse 24, and it reads this. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of, uh, of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then, as the king was, uh, as the king of Israel was passing on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, "Help me, O Lord!" So I did some research on this. I wanted to know how much was a donkey's head, and eighty shekels or eighty pieces of silver, uh, depending where you you've got two figures. One says it's. Uh, approximately $307 or $179. It's almost half, but you are, it's between uh, $307 and $179 for uh, an, a donkey's head. And for uh, 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 eight-tenths of a 
Dove Dong. <laughs> Dove Dong is approximately gets two values, either $19 or $18. Now, you can see, and, and, and you couldn't, uh, I've done some research on this. First of all, eating donkey's head, you couldn't, it was against the law. It was against the Levitical law because it didn't have split hoofs. So even, even to be haggling over a donkey's head, they're desperate. So they're saying, who will give me, we'll start with, we'll start with 100 shekels. Uh, we'll do 20 shekels, 50 shekels. We got we get 70 shekels, 80 shekels, 80 shekels. Any more? Everyone's going, no, no, no. Okay, 80 shekels, over to you. 80 shekels. This is how desperate they are. And as for the dove dong, at first I looked and some were saying it was kind of a small vegetable. But actually, some have said, no, it was dove's dong. <laughs> so you, can even, you know that they're desperate. But let's go on a little bit further. So the king is, I'll speed things on. The king is walking on the, on the wall to perhaps survey the, the, the defense against the, 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 the soldiers. And a woman cries out to him and says, this will, okay, no, this, verse 28. Then the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, because he thought she was asking for food. And he says, look, am I God? Can I, can I, you know, the threshing floor is, is empty. The wine press is, can I help you? And she might have said, no, I want justice. So he says, okay, what is it? So this is what she said, 28. Then the, the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman, so it's, she's the woman's next to her. This woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat, you, your, eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, give, uh, give your son that we may eat him. But she's hidden her son. And she's saying, King, we ate my son yesterday. And the agreement was that she would give, she would give her son and she's hid her son. So, so king, you know, I want justice. The king heard this and said, what? Ripped his, ripped his robe and uh, underneath his robe was sapcloth. And he said, uh, he said, be, let God do this to me and more if I do not remove the head of uh, Elisha. Now, the reason being, we think, or the, or the theologians think, or whatever, think that probably Elisha, the prophet, was advising him either not to surrender or, or to repent because it's King jo, uh, J uh, Jehoram. Jehoram. He is the, the son of um, King Ahab, which is the, the king that married Jezebel. So you can see... Amazing God's grace is that he was a wicked king, but he repented. And because 
Ahab repented. He said, I will not bring the punishment in your generation, but it will be in the next generation. So maybe a king, uh, Joram, thought, well, in fact, what he says later on, you can hear, I don't have to say what he thought, he says later on. So he says this, verse 20, verse 30. So the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed under the wall, the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. And he said, God, do, do to me more also if the head of uh, 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 Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, remains on him today. So, cut a long story short, got to be uh, fairly short because we're we'll moving very quickly on this one. He sends his executioner to Elisha. Yes, he's Elisha, uh, Prophet Elijah. And Elisha is meeting with the elders, and God tells him prophetically that someone's coming to chop off his head. So he says, Stop the, you know, the, the, this murdering, murdering uh, son of a murderer, which is Ahab, is coming to cut my head off. So don't let him in. So whilst they're, they're trying to come in, a word, of, a word comes to Elisha. And let's, this is chapter 7. We're talking about the impossible promises of God. Chapter 7, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, like uh, Sister Arita was telling me, saying, you mean mean tomorrow? (laughs) Tomorrow, about this time, a seat of fine wine shall be sold for a shekel, and two seats of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, we've just heard how bad things are. 800 silver shekels for a donkey's head. Can you imagine how much meat is on a donkey's head? Uh, They are eating poo, getting some nourishment out of probably undigested uh, uh, dove dung. When people are desperate, they're desperate. They're eating. They're eating. They're, They're eating. In fact... They're eating their own children. In fact, this was a prophecy that God said. One of the curses in Deuteronomy 28. I'll just read this. Deuteronomy 28 verse 56. This is if you, you know, choose which way. If you choose the good, you'll get the blessing. If you refuse, you get the curses. One of the curses is 28, 56. Okay, no problem. It says this. The, and this is the amplified version. It says, The most refined and well-bred woman among you who would not venture to set her soul of her foot on the ground because she's so delicate and pampered. Ooh, oh, oh, oh dear. Will be cruel and hostile towards her husband she cherishes and towards her son and daughter. And towards her afterbirth that comes 
from between her legs and towards her children whom she bears. When I, when I read the afterbirth, they said, my gosh, some people are doing that now. Yeah, okay. But we carry on. It then says uh, 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 that she bears. For she will eat them secretly for lack of anything during the siege and the misery by which your enemies will oppress you in your cities. All right? So even the most delicate one. She will secretly have the child and hide and, 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 well, I don't know what, I mean, I don't need to uh, imagine how she's, but eat her own children. Now God is saying, that's how bad it is. God is saying, this time tomorrow, you'll be, you, you at the gate now, this is not even, this is at the gate. You'll have, there'll be so much food that fine flour, you know you get flour and you get fine flour, grounded flour, etc. Fine flour will be sold by a shekel. And, and what was the other one? One is fine flour and the other one is two, yes, two, two sheets of barley for a shekel at the gate. So the officer whose, whose hand the king leans on answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat it. Now, the point is this. When God tells you the impossible, let's get it all right saying, no. Probably other people were thinking that, but he was saying it. Thinking, prophet, do you know how bad it is? Perhaps you haven't been outside in your, in your, in your room. You, you, you probably cocoon. Do you have any idea what is happening out there in the real world? You guys are so spiritual, you have no idea what's going on in the real world, as some might say. But he voice, which probably others were thinking, which is a mistake. Mistake number one. Mistake number two. If God has said it, it's not your business how it's going to be. That's the whole problem with us modern people. We want to interfere with God's business. God has said it. So what, what is it to you? God, all you have to say is, okay, it's three o'clock. Okay, I can wait till three o'clock. I've been waiting all these months without food. I mean, three o'clock. The impossible promises of God is what makes God God. This is what God is looking. In fact, I've said that God has been looking for individuals. And sometimes he only finds one or two in a generation. Can you imagine when he finds a generation of people 
that actually says, I believe who you say you are. Can you imagine what God can do when he finds a set of people that begins to say, I believe you because the impossible is what you do. If it was possible, then I could do it. Now, since time is short and I won't go in much further, I'll leave it as this. Can you imagine what method God used to provide this food? Now, those of you who are theologians will know what happened. But those of you not, just try to imagine what method God is going to use to bring about so much food in 24 hours. And I'll tell you because the next thing there, he uses lepers. Now, in your wildest dreams, can you associate God using lepers to bring about deliverance? But to just, I'll just briefly tell you, you can read it. It's, it's, in a way, it's quite funny. It's quite amusing. The lepers are outside and they're hungry like everybody else. And I've used this example before. And they said, if we go back into the city, the people are dying. We will die. If we stay here, we're hungry. We will die. So let's go to the, let's go to the Syrians. Now, if we go to the Syrians, they might kill us. But we will die. But, but the Syrians might actually let us live. So if we go back, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's take a chance. It's only a might, but if we, if we go ahead, we might not die. So they say, okay, let's go to the Syrians and see what happens. And that's a message in itself. If you're in a situation that you're dying, don't go back because you'll die. Don't stay still because you'll die. Go forward. You might die, but you're better off. You, you're better off going forward and, and a chance of living than the surety of dying where you are. Go forward. By going forward, you might not die. Glory to God. <laughs> now, the funny part is, God used the four leopards. Lepers. Because as they were walking towards the Syrians, God used their footsteps, footsteps to sound like an army. In fact, it sounded like four armies. They said, oh, they've hired the Hittites. They've hired the Egyptians. They've hired anything. So they all scrambled. They left everything, ran from the tent and ran and ran and ran. So when the lepers come, they came and said, boy, what, what's happening? Everything's there. So this is what I, th and I'm ending this one because it's so, it's, it's so funny. But if you read it, the attitude of the lepers are something you can learn. Leprosy in those days was a death sentence. There was no cure. But what did the lepers do? First of all, they ate. And then they started hiding gold, hiding uh, 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 um, clothes, etc. In other words, they were saying, we may be, we may be lepers, but we're going to die well. We're going to die well. Praise God. 
How do I look? You look good. Hey, good. See, their attitude, they're lepers. They're, but they're not saying, well, we're, we're, we're saying no. We're going to, we're going to. They had hope. They had hope. They were looking ahead and thinking, praise God. And then when they started, they ate, they drank, they hit their gold. They had everything. They said, this isn't right. Because God has given us deliverance. Now, if we don't do something, something will happen to us. So they then came back. And long story short, they came back and told the people what they saw. And even the king said, no, they're trying to trap us. The the others also said, let us try. Because he thought that they're just waiting for us to come out to the, the castle so to trap us. But the others said, no, let us try. They had the attitude, we're dying here. Let us at least, let us at least try to find out. Now, if it's a trap, we're going to die anyway. So let us have a look. They came, they found the food, they brought it back. And as the prophet said, the person who was at the gate, I can imagine he was, he was they, the people heard there was food. So they went wild and went for the food and came back. And I can imagine you saying, can we have some order here? Can we have some order? Please, can I have some? They just rolled over him and he died at the gate. Looking at the food, seeing everything, but never took part. So what lessons can we learn? When God has said something, if you don't know what to say, say nothing. Praise God. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. <laughs>